Oliver Behrman does the double in Baku, Azerbaijan, and holds a brand new F2 record for the history books. And F1 Academy had their first round of seven for the 2023 season, and it was definitely one to read about. Welcome to episode 10 of Formula Talk, hosted by me, Sophia. Hi. And joining me back again after a small hiatus, Tom Downey. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm much better than I was a few weeks ago, and I'm very good to be back. Oh, glad to have you back. Missed you. <laughs> Not like I, I enjoyed everybody else as well. Don't get me wrong. I loved all my other panelists, but can't be my co-host. I know. I'm dead, just not as fabulous as me. So what can I say? Eh? <laughs> okay. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Only kidding. But first, we must thank our sponsors. So betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. You have the latest uh, latest odds and lines, including the player reports and this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this year, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, from basketball to MLB to NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to our website today or use your mobile device to get in on all the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEF, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, let's get into it. Like... F2 and, F- and F1 Academy. Let's let's start with F2 because it was a bit of a hit or miss weekend. Um, quiet sprint. Sorry, quiet feature. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy sprint. Sprints. But let's look into qualifying. So Oliver Behrman, and we're going to say his name multiple <laughs> times in this podcast because there's a lot to talk about him. On his rookie season with Prema in F2, he was able to take his first F2 pole position just ahead of another rookie of Carling Enzo Fittipaldi by just 0.012 seconds at the checker flag. Less than a t- tenth of a second separated the front runners, but Teopor Chair and Frederick Vesey benefited late to seal the points for third and fourth on the grid. There was a bit of a delayed start uh, to qualifying due to the F1 sprint shootout, which we discuss in Grid Talks episodes, which you can find on YouTube and on Spotify and wherever our podcasts are. Um, and then there was also, within the first seven minutes, we had a red red flag by Brad Benavides. Pretty much PM Racing by Sharoos did not have their best weekend. They had a crash in qualifying, a crash in sprint, and a crash and feature. So all by different drivers. Two by Brad, one by Roy Nassani. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, Roy Nassani crashing is a given. Um, especially when I'm back. Come on. He's one yeah. of the more, more experienced drivers. I would expect more Brad because Brad's had a few crashes already this season in, in yeah, F2. But, yeah, but experience doesn't make up a lack of talent, does it? Um you know, especially especially something as cuts or as F2. But what do I know? I'm just a fat guy who watches it. Um, and to be fair, I could never get in the car. And if I did, I'd never get out of it. Um, you know, you have to, you have to call the fire brigade or something. But alas. Um, yes, no, um yeah, I mean I mean quality around back here is it's always sort of like touch and go. And we say this about you know, obviously we say this about Formula One, but it applies even more so to the to the junior series because 
the drivers are that bit younger, that bit less experienced. Obviously, it's a lot closer because the cars are obviously, as as we, as we know, as spec cars. And it's you know it's, it's it's one of those things. that's like, do you take that risk? You know, do you push that extra tenth or those extra two tenths? Especially when you get to someone like the castle section, because the castle section that turn nine ten one, you get it slightly wrong and bang, you're in the wall, you're out. We saw it with Leclerc, obviously, in his first year at Ferrari in Formula One, um, and you know, Brad's unlucky, but it's fine, especially on the street circuit, as Jordan Palmer once said. Had to be alert on a street circuit as you binned it in Monaco that year. Um, yeah, so you know, so it, 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 it sounds daft, but it is true because obviously the walls are so close, you don't have miles of runoff like you do in you know some permanent circuits. It was uh yeah, but Ollie Behrman, I mean, rookie pole, and you know, like you said in your amazing intro, that is definitely a first take. Um that that it was that it was an absolute clean sweep this weekend, something unprecedented in F two, and he's a rookie in F two. Seventeen, off, yeah, seventeen years old, man. What was I doing when I was seventeen? I was driving my Ford Fiesta, not driving a blinking F two car on the streets of Baku, wiping up the competition. So yeah, I'm. I mean, wow, and he's a Ferrari Academy driver. Carlos Sainz better watch out. <laughs> Might take over that seat. Um, yeah, I mean. It's absolutely crazy. Like, qualifying was not as... It was only that one red flag that had the issue, and there wasn't that much of a weather issue compared to last year. Um, Sorry, compared to last year. And then also, some of these drivers have never been. They had a big break, given um, that long break in between round three and round four with the um, F1 break. Some of these drivers were able to be in Formula E testing, some others did other disciplines as well. But finishing with the qualifying Richard Vashore as sprint race is reverse grid. He he took pole in sprint um, and followed by my favorite driver, Zay Maloney, joining with him at the front of the grid. Now, looking at sprint, God, as mentioned, Behrman does the double. So we all know that he wins in the sprint. However, because it was reverse, he actually started in P10 and took the top position right off the back of his maiden pole. He actually lined up ninth um, with Frederick Vesey because I believe there was a penalty that made um, him jump from ninth, not 10th. Um, but, oh God, just reading some of these notes, it was just, there was contact with Richard Vashore and Zay Maloney straight away coming into turn one. Richard went a little bit too wide and tried to re- rejoin the track and clip Zane, which gave Zane his puncture. Um, who else was also in that carnage as well? There was oh yeah, Victor Martens as well. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, there were several drivers. With yeah, because Zane and Victor kind of because Zane had to move out and then Victor kind of came around. Um which Dennis Harger, who won last year in um, F2 in Baku, was able to take the lead from six on the grid. There was our first safety car that came off with Ralph Barsha, one of the older, more experienced, yeah, older, more experienced drivers on the grid who has won already this season. A race uh, he had to pretty much DNF because he, on lap three, clipped the inside of the wall on turn 11. This then triggered a early safety car appearance. Lap three, to be fair, that's not that bad. I was expecting one on lap one, to be fair, as well. 
yeah I, I i mean that's that's pretty good by um by f2 standards so you, yeah. you know they 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 certainly they certainly done worse than that in the past oh definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it was only until lap 6 that racing was able to resume um, pretty much Dennis Hager left the latest possible to get racing underway. Further back of the grid, Frederick Vesey fought Jehan Derubler for third as teammate Oliver Behrman was able to take places from Teo and Jack Crawford on consecutive laps. Lap 10, Vesey finally got ahead of Derubler, slicing his way past uh, with the advantage of DRS along the main straight. And there was nothing he could do as also Beerman was able to breeze up into fourth following on the following lap. Now, as mentioned, PHM racing by Charus had a DNF and that was on turn 15, locking up his front tire. Roy Nassani hit the wall on the exit, bringing out another safety car. This then triggered an all for nothing final three laps of racing. And this is when the carnage came in. This is the yeah. most interesting. Safety cars trigger safety cars. We hear that all the time in F1. We hear that in IndyCar. If you listen to that, it's always the case. And this is the prime example of that situation. I will also mention as well, uh, Zay Maloney had to originally DNF because of the puncture, but then came back out five laps down and tried to get more data and try to catch up he was actually not that far off for some of them um i think the most he was like plus one lap difference from the back runners obviously with constant lapping but with this last safety car according to fia rules about letting lap cars pass he decided it was not worth it and came into the pits and de- and decided to finish on the um 19th lap but yeah lap 19 on the restarts Pretty much both Dennis Hager and um, Victor Martins hit the barrier into turn one, leaving them out of the race. And then the um, Victor Martins actually hit the tech pro. Druva was right behind them and had nowhere to go. So actually went underneath Victor's. This was quite, I've got to be honest, I'm glad you mentioned this. This is quite scary. Absolutely. Like it's another one for the Halo because he literally went yeah. under and you could see like how close the floor and the wheel was of Victor's car onto Darubla, like, because there was nowhere to go. Like, he was just literally right behind it. Um, he wasn't also the only one as well, only ones to have issues. Uh, Theo Porcher and Arthur Kirk both ran too wide in the runoff, which led them to also hit the Tech Pro in the same areas as well. Not on the same time as Darubla and Victor, uh, Victor Martins, but just slightly Thankfully. to the side. But yeah, and then even Jack Dewan somehow locked up and into the apex and spun out on that same first turn. Oh my! <laughs> Watching that was crazy. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I, I think a bit of it was um, uh, no brake uh, temp and no tire temp, and that's why they just had absolutely nothing going into turn one. And I mean, you know, we see it enough with with. You know, the well, the junior series, shall we say? We see it in F one a bit as well. Where drivers, you know, they they be coming into a turn, and on the back, you'll say, you know, excuse me, a double yellow or a safety car or a first lap. You know, they'll just try and snatch at the brakes going into a turn when they just haven't got the temperature, which means they haven't got the grip. And that's exactly what happened. And 
I, I think this sort of highlights the difference between some of the drivers is that some drivers will get to that point and they'll realise they are not making the corner. It's like, I know this isn't apple to apples to apples, but look at Hamilton in 2021. It's like, do you remember the whole brake magic thing where he went straight on because he, he couldn't couldn't stop and turn in time? He realised that was happening. So he elected to go straight on or you know, maybe the car elected for him to go straight on. A driver who is more experienced will, will realise that they're not going to make the turn. You know, we saw it, I think, in 2017 with um, Danny Kvyat or something, where where he in Singapore, where he wasn't going to make the turn. And the same thing applies here, especially on street circuits, where drivers who are less experienced, perhaps, heat of the moment, which I get. You know, when you're focused and you, and you're sort of getting ready and you 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 you're in you you're in a racing situation, especially a restart like that. Instead of trying to make the turn and keeping the wheel cranked. And then locking, you know, your inside front left if it's a right-hander or whatever, and then effectively understeering into the barrier, which is what happened. Some drivers will realise that they'll let off the brakes, allow the car to miss the corner, you're going to spin around into one, and at least you're still going. I kind of agree, and I kind of don't, because if we take Teo, for example, he was on the inside to Arthur, so if he was to go straight, him and Arthur would hit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. also the fact that Darubla and Victor were technically half out on the track because it was not really in the corner, but on the outside of the corner. I understand it was just a really like at the last moment because Dennis decided to go at the last possible minute on the line again because it worked so well in the previous safety car. So that's why he was able to do it. But obviously it just was malpractice to an extent for it. Uh, I understand going into the runoffs. You saw that a lot in F1 um, with a lot of the drivers going into that. But for F2, it's, it's very difficult, especially with how close they're bunched up at the start of the restarts. And if, if I was Arthur, then yeah, I would go out. But for like Teo, for example, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that every driver should do that because obviously if you're on, because you know, if you start on one of the inside grid slots, if you try and go, if you try and go straight on, you're going to have a horrendous accident and nobody wants that. But some of the drivers are perhaps on the outside who were who were understeering when they were turning left. You know, maybe should have uh, you know, should have you know, should have realised that, that the corner wasn't going to happen. But you, you know, you, it, it's easy to say these things in hindsight, and you know, we're not the ones who are sitting in the cars. You know, and, you know, and under under that kind of pressure, and you know, with the heat and everything as well. So. Definitely. Well, Vesti was able to take that opportunity and run with it, but it wasn't, it was short-lived because Oliver Behrman took him within t- like a couple seconds before the safety car was triggered. And they actually finished the race in the pit lane, driving past the pit lane, very Michael Schumacher-esque going through that. Um, and it was Ollie Behrman's first podium as well, which was quite cool, which obviously wouldn't have been his only one of that race weekend. Um, but it was a primer one too with Frederick Vesti, who has had a decent season already and had previous wins in Baku as well um, last year for, um, I think, he, who was he racing with before last season? I, I think can't it was remember. ART maybe. Uh? Can't remember what I'm talking about. But anyway, he's moved over to Prima this year, um, I think. Yeah. And it was a one too. Finishing off also as well in third place, it was. And so for the party? Or am I. Yes, no. it was. No, Jack Crawford. It was track. Yeah, 
for the sprint race, Jack Crawford, Red Bull Jr., was able to take the third position on the podium. And that was actually each step of the podium are all different driver academies. Um, so Oliver Behrman for Ferrari, Frederick Vesely for Mercedes, Jack Crawford for Red Bull, which was quite cool. So feature race. It wasn't as crazy as the sprint race. It was actually quite quiet to be fair um but it was once again it was Oliver Behrman who took the top position um pretty much starting from pole finishing top position um Enzo Fittipaldi who, who joined second on um the front of the grid was able to take his first podium for curling um pulling off a move on the outside of Terrible in the last closing laps Terrible who started third finished third as well Looking at it, yeah, it, it was it was a very quiet one. Um, you had two drivers that were on a different strategy of tire, which was Owasa and Isaac Hajar. However, that proved not to be the best, even with uh, I, Owasa, who was leading the F2 championships at the time, pitting very, very late towards the end and pretty much tumbling down the um, track, uh, sorry, the grid. Virtual safety car was deployed um, around lap eight, I believe. Yes, lap eight um, after Brad Benavides found the barriers once again into turn four. Um, yeah. Any other real key moments, Tom? No, I mean, to be honest, it was a fairly quiet um, uh, sprint race for... Uh, for no feature, yes. Sorry, I was getting it the, the wrong way around. Um, some coffee, <laughs> uh, I've already, I've already drank it, mate. Um, yeah, no, I need some more. Um, yeah, no, uh, yes, yeah, no, I, I mean, the only other thing was, um, who was it who had a technical disqualification? It was Victor Martins, it was Victor Martins, yeah. Other than that, there wasn't really much to, um, much to, much to talk about. Well, you know, all, all the action happened in the sprint, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good day for uh, for Prema because Victor Martin secondly finished fourth, but with his disqualification, it allowed Frederick Vesey to move up into fourth to get some well needed points. As I mentioned, Isaac Hashaw was one of the few, uh, one of the two drivers to do the alternative strategy. He was actually able to s- secure some points, uh, finishing seventh um, on the grid, actually. Yes, seventh after the disqualification. But yeah, Owasa. It just wasn't his weekend. He had so many issues, both in the sprint and in the feature race, and pretty much scored no points that entire weekend. This allowed Teo Pocher to overtake the championship. But, as mentioned, Oliver Behrman has a brand new F2 record that nobody else has ever done. Many drivers have done the double. We can look at last year, Felipe Drogovic. We can look at, um, in GP2, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Nico Rosberg, a lot of them have done the double. However, Oliver Behrman topped the first, the only free practice session, took pole, one sprint, one feature. He also had a fastest lap, but then in the feature race, he didn't have the fastest lap. He almost got every single point, but he is the first driver to top free practice, qualifying, sprint, and feature 
in the history of F2 and even looking at GP2 as well, which is the um what it was called before it became F2 back in 2017. So again, rookie in F2. He didn't win the championship last year in F3. He moved up after finishing, I think he finished third or fourth on the grid um in the standings in 2022. Absolutely crazy. 17 as well. Like yeah, <laughs> he's that's... definitely he's definitely made an entrance now. So all eyes are definitely gonna be in on him when we go to round five in Imola. Oh oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, the this is an amazing achievement for such a tightly contested grid and such a tightly contested championship. Um and, and by championship, I don't mean the championship fight, I mean F2 in itself, or series, that's the best word. Um yeah, it's just it's just like you know, it, you see it in F one, you know, where where a driver will will get a ground slam, you know, where they'll uh, you know they'll they'll top, you know they'll, they'll get pulled and win the race and get fastest lap and you know, maybe lead every lap, you know. But that's the, you, you know if you had you know like one of the Mercs from you know a couple of years ago buggering off into the distance or you know the Red Bull this year or whatever, fair enough, you expect it. But in F two, especially when you factor in things like the reverse grids, you know, we started P ten. In the sprint, P nine because of the penalty. P nine because the penalty. Oh, it's half right. Um, and back row. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back row. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's like you know that, and and you know, just when when you factor all of this in, you realize just how impressive a weekend he's had to be that consistent as well, because. FTO, you see a lot of, you know, sort of like a lot of ups and downs and, you know, you get winners and pulsators here, there and everywhere. That's kind of the point of it. Mm-hmm. To have someone just do that over an entire weekend, I mean, wow. And big points as well. Um, in the future, they follow the same style as F1 in the scoring. But actually, another driver that we could mention about consistency who has actually scored points in every single race so far in the F2 season, Kushmani, which is surprising. Mind you, not high because he's not had a podium, but he's been like P5, P6 almost every single round so far, the first four rounds of the F2 season. So who knows? He might be one in content uh, if some of these drivers take some big risks and DNF, like when we look at Awasa, for example, who was leading and made some big risks and didn't get any points this weekend. Exactly. And and, there's a difference between taking risks and putting it in the wall. Um, you know, or even clipping the wall, you know, someone like turn 15, turn, you know, turn one, turn three, turn five, turn seven. In back, it was just like insert corner number here. Because, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, because, because, yeah, all of them. Um, I've got a very, very quick quiz question for yourself. Oh, God. Uh, who was the last GP2 champion in 2016 before it rebranded to Formula 2? George Russell. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It was. And yes, I asked that question just so I can play him in sound. Yeah, no, it it was. It it, it wasn't DPA, Gasly. Yeah, no, George Russell was 2018. It's so weird. Some of. Oh, wow. I mean, Gasly didn't have the best weekend, though, back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to that on our Good Talk episodes. Um, what I was just to say that like, what a plug! Definitely what a plug. A plug. Yeah. Go listen to all our other shows as well. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, as mentioned, there wasn't just F2 on. I mean, there were so many other ones. You also have IndyCar uh, and um, Formula E was previewing. Uh, Formula E, I think, was on potentially. But F1 Academy finally had their first round of seven for the 2023 season. And oh, God. Um, <laughs> chaos. I'll say chaos. Is that something that you want to read about? articles um on the f1 academy website they are posting videos now on social media there is a uh, apparently a sky sports roundup on it that is debuting on thursday um so they went to spielberg austria which is a nice iconic track um for those that love f1 there was many dqs um, <laughs> to the point had multiple teams dq um for that and a few driver uh dqs but Pretty much fans might have noticed that it was not televised due to the choice of not doing it. Um, we don't know the specifics, but they decided not to. Instead, they had um, live timing, I put in quotation marks, um, which is similar to what you can see on the F2 and F3 website during race weekends. Um, however, it is rumored due to the um, feedback of fans of the sport that they will be potentially recording broadcasting in Valencia which is this weekend for round two um however it's not been confirmed that that's actually going to take place or not but given um what we saw on social media when information was coming through the um lack of timing the lack of understanding about some of these disqualifications at the time it pretty much um a lot of fans were saying that they wanted to see actual live um i made a comment before on previous episodes where the fact that we can see frecker which is pretty much way below division to formula one uh, to f1 academy we have proper youtube streams of that um formula four all formula fours are pretty much streamed live on youtube with proper commentary i know for frecker you have chris mccarthy uh who does it all the time um and i see him on social media posting about it love watching it you would have think we could have had it for F1 Academy. Yeah. Um, I've got a bone to pick with them. Let's hear it. Let's hear this. it. It's all well and good having commentary and, you know, posting out the video afterwards, which um, which the F1 socials have done because it's out on YouTube. What's not very helpful is when you've got a driver, uh, sorry, when you've got a commentator saying, oh, and there's such and such driver into turn one and they're going into so-and-so and all the rest of it. If you haven't got a sodding live feed, yes, I use my pen to annotate. I know this is audio only, but you should, I wish you could see. I wish you could see what I'm doing. You know, when when you don't have the live feed, so to speak, of drivers, you know, a driver tracker, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, how are you supposed to know who is who? It's a brand new series. It's not like. F, you know, F1 or even F2 when you are used to the liveries of the cars and, you know, you're used to who is who. This is a brand new venture. And, you, and, you know, yes, we know some of the names are already in there and some of the names we don't know because they're very young, they're very new. And, and you, know, you know, this is all about build, you know, building sort of recognition and awareness isn't the right word, but just increasing or sort of opening up motorsport to you know to to you know to females and, and all the and all the rest of it which is a fantastic idea and i can't believe that 
whether it's the FIA or Formula One management or whoever, has done such a bang average job of the first one. It's like, it's like you know, if you if you watch the highlights on YouTube, um, they're professional. They are so professional. It's professional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They are drivers who are paid, or some may be paying, to be there. And you know, you know, it's not like um, you know getting a you know getting a banger clear and driving down to Slander Racetrack. On a Saturday, that's a very, very specific reference to me because Landau Race talks about time away from where I live. Side note. <laughs> in Wales. Um, yeah, in, in Wales, yeah. I'd be really impressed if someone listened to this goes, oh, I know that place. Um, I know that place. Oh, come on, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, but, you know, my point being, you know, it's like when I do that with, you know, with, you know, with a few of my men, we go there with our cars, and not just drive my BM around there or something. That's different. But this is, for, for, for these drivers in Formula One Academy, this is their career. This is what they do for a living, and it's like for all the pomp and circumstance that F one have made about this. It's like how can there be a oh, Formula One manager on FIA? I'm not entirely sure but where it's coming from. Have they though? Because they didn't even post anything until probably what two months before it was meant to start, and even then it was still up for discussion. Well, it's better than nothing, I suppose, and and, and you know at least they're sort of they're getting it out there. And obviously, they've they've made a bit of a big thing. The Formula One Academy is going to be in the same F one weekend as Cota, but it's just, I just think it's just a really, really poor showing from F O. I'm just going to abbreviate it as F O N because that you know, because I think it's Formula One management who controls it. Um, and someone please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I can't actually remember off the top of my head. It's um, it's just for what is a professional racing series. It just feels like it's gone backwards a bit. Well, a lot, and it feels like everything has been an afterthought. It feels like it. It feels like they've gone. Well, when I say they, I mean from Formula One management. It feels like FOM have gone. Uh, okay, let's do a support series. Uh, oh no, we yeah. need TV cameras. Uh, we need this, and then and then yeah, exactly. It's it's like you know, I'm not saying that the crowds are going to be packed out every weekend because you can't it, even go. Yeah, I don't think you can even buy tickets. Like I think it's behind. Uh, why doors. not? I, I don't know. I, from from the clips that you can see, the stands are empty. Pretty yeah, much. So, yeah. So. It, it reminds me of the first race in Austria in 2020 in COVID. Yeah, when there was not a there. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully in Valencia it'll be better, and we'll discuss some we'll information about that yeah. um, later on in this episode. But let's run out how the two-day event came across. So we discussed in previous episodes how the structure is. So there's two free practices, two sets of qualifying, and three races, um, different time lanes. Free practice and qualifying take place on the Friday, and then Saturday is when all three races take place. Race two is a reverse grid from qualifying two, whereas race one is... Um, for race, uh, sorry, qualifying one is for race one and three. Race three is 30 minutes, and I believe race two is 20 minutes. Race, sorry, race two is 25 minutes. Race two is 20. All qualifying sessions are 15 minutes. So there was a lot to go over, but I mean, it was Abby Pauling pretty much. She just didn't have the best weekend with a 
uh, D and Q, which we'll discuss later, but topped the first free pra- practice session with a 131.315, uh, followed by um, Hamada al Kabesi. And again, I really do apologize if I pronounce these na- last names wrong. Please let me know um, how to pronounce it. Uh, she was able to top the second free practice with a 131.382. So that is Carling topping the first, followed by MP Mosport. In qualifying, it was originally Abby Pulling who was able to secure a double. However, um, all the calling, Carling cars were disqualified after it was reported for an unintentional technical infringement. It was parts on where the edge of the floor under the side pods were breaching rule 1.4 and 4.3 of the technical regulations. But looking at the qualifying, as we know Austria, it likes to rain. (laughs) So it was a heavy rain session. Um, Abby Pulling was able to do a 1.42.963, followed by uh, Martina Garcia Prema, who did a 143.073. There was a red flag brought out by another Prima driver of Chloe Chong, who was stranded off the track following a spin between turn eight and turn nine. This then um, pretty much ended qualifying the first qualifying session early because it was 15 minutes. So not much time to actually get something on, especially in wet conditions as well. Like, what? <laughs> Crazy. Um, because of Abby uh, DNQing or being disqualified, for her qualifying, uh, Garcia was able to take pole for race one and three. This also meant that it was also a Prema one two with Bianca Bustamante taking the second spot ahead of race one and three. In the second qualifying, as mentioned, pulling pretty much came out straight away uh, with the rain decreasing on the track, uh, was able to clock a 143.704. Once again, Garcia being just a tenth down with a time of 143.7. Nine, six. This was key as a second red flag of the day was brought out after Gilts uh, became stranded in the gravel at the exit of turn three. The rain didn't ease and at the restart, the track conditions worsened, leaving many of the drivers unable to improve their personal best times. At the checkered flag, it was the three remained unchanged, leaving pulling to claim the second pole. However, it was Garcia that took it instead. First race. I'm going to say Garcia a lot by the, by the looks of it because she's a premise doing well this weekend with both F2 and, F, and F1 Academy pulling it out of the bag with some of these wins. But with Martina Garcia starting from pole um, to remain in the top uh, spot with her teammate Bianca narrowly missing out on the second step, Nera Marti overtook Bianca outside turn one. As the cars approached into turn three, there was contact between MP Motorsport Emily de Hus and Campos Racing Lola LaFonce, for which a five-second um, penalty was received for the Campos Racing driver. Uh, de Hus and the ART Grand Prix driver Evelina Brother and Kerry Schenreiner, Again, I really apologize if I'm pronouncing these wrong. Um, they were forced to retire from the race after avoiding action and becoming stuck on the gravel. Once the cars were removed from the track, the safety car came in and Marty had an excellent straight line speed and was able to snatch the lead from Garcia. Meanwhile, Hamada Alcabezi, so there's two sisters that are racing for MP Motorsports, so we might start just saying um, Hamada and... um, And, oh my God, I just completely forgot her first name. 
her sister's name. Uh, this is really bad. Amanda and Hermanda. <laughs> oh. It's really confusing because they yeah. sound so similar. Yeah. <laughs> Even they have to do like the first initial properly as well for it. Um, <clears throat> pretty much she made the best jump of the first race, starting from P15 to navigate through the traffic to improve to fourth, putting pressure on uh, Bianca, who was third. However, it ended with Garcia taking the first um, win and then Marty taking second and Bianca retaining third. However, there was another disqualification and it was Marty who was disqualified for not being compliant with technical re- regulations. This meant the first race was a 1-2 for Prema, which sounds familiar to the F2 in uh, the sprint race with Carling Jessica Edgar taking third position, which was great given the fact that um, all of them were disqualified in qualifying. Race two, which was a reverse grid, saw Amana um, leading from lights to flag to take the first win of race two, while her sister continued to show great overtaking as seen in race one, which you can see some highlights on the F1 Academy social media. Um, She was moving again from P15 to P5, Amanda was able to cross the line 1.5 seconds ahead of Lena Buller and Lola LaFrance, uh, rounding out the podium for race two. Whew, there's a lot of racing that goes on in this day. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, the time, though, is the same amount of time as um, an F1 race. It's just broken into small little groups, pretty much. It's, what, 30? My math is going to be really bad now. <laughs> Pressure, 55 plus 20. 75, so an hour and 15. There we go. You would not believe that I actually do numbers for a living with how bad that was. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the final race was Garcia taking her second win of the day, topping the leaderboard for the first round of seven for the 2023 season. Starting from pole with her primer teammate uh, Bianca. Unfortunately, Bianca could not get off the line and had to retire from the race. On the final lap, the gap between um, first and second was 0.5 seconds, with Hamada continued to pressure Garcia up until the checkered flag. But, yeah, Garcia was able to pretty much keep it running with both sisters doing the podium for MP Motorsports. So, overall, listening and reading out that, it sounds like it was a great weekend. And we're going to go to Valencia this week. I really wish we could just watch it because the times that these racings were, were during the previews for Sky Sports, if you're a UK listener, or it was afterwards and the, the gaps in between F2 and F1. So pretty much with the seven rounds of F1 Academy, six out of the seven are F1 weekends. We have, as mentioned, Valencia, but we're in Miami this weekend. So the time difference is going to work perfect. This is why I'm thinking that they might be able to broadcast it because it won't be overlapping with any other F1 commitments. Well, I mean, it, it, it seems that makes sense. Yeah, and it, se- it seems a great opportunity for you know for for this to happen. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It it, it just I, I just I just don't know why they're not you know why why that why they're not doing it and it's. Uh, you know, especially with your know, F one being, you know, she's so late because it's out of Miami. It just, you know, I'm not saying put it on Sky Sports and all the rest of it. Stream it on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, perfect. Cracker. 
Go Freca. Exactly. They all have it. Yeah. Well, but hey, we could be real, be here all day talking about this. We might do a special Formula Talk episode when there's a bit of a gap. I mean, this weekend's slightly a different structure because it's Friday to Sunday. So Friday is all the free practices and the qualifying. Saturday is race one and race two, but then Sunday is race three. So um, there'll be, as mentioned in Valencia, it's the same track. So just over four kilometers um, in length. There is, off the top of my head, 14 corners and I think two DRS zones, if I'm not mistaken. But um, they also did do the testing here as well. So this is going to be quite an interesting one. Uh, We discussed testing in a previous episode of Formula Talk, which you can listen again in the backlog on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But to round off this episode, let's quickly talk about the standings for F1 Academy. As mentioned, Garcia had an absolute amazing start with pretty much topping the leaderboard. She has 57 points. Her next competitor is Amanda, who has 30. Big jump. A big jump. Followed by her sister, only two points behind. So... And even Abby Polly, even with the issues of the disqualifications, is 26. So two to four are still quite close. But Garcia, we mentioned when F1 Academy was first announced, they she would probably be our front runners for this season. And this first round's exactly proven that for sure. Yeah. I I mean, you know, the the DSQs from last weekend now. I'm just trying to think about it correctly in my head. Um, it's, it's kind of not shaking up his mic because obviously it's only been one round of three races. But it's just it's thrown a little bit of a span into the works, which might be a good thing because, you know, you know, it, um, you know uh, we, we could see, you know, a bit of unpredictability coming come in later on. I hope so. And I just want to be able to watch it as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully we can see that in Valencia this weekend. All track times are displayed on the F1 Academy website. But that's it for episode 10 of Formula Talk. Uh, Formula Talk is available on YouTube where I say this every week. We will be going live at some point, I hope. But you can also find us pre-recorded and upload onto YouTube, though, as well. Um, you can find us on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk to find our episodes and also the back catalog of Grid Talk, where we have previews, reactions to qualifying and race results and our episode um, series. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights, and better recording equipment. And also make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We'll be back next week to hopefully turn it around for F1 Academy um, and review Valencia. And then we might even talk about some of the other ones. IndyCar, we're in May. It's going to be happening soon. You got Formula E that's kicking off as well um, this weekend in Monaco to start the Monaco race season as well so we'll be back soon with plenty more formula content i want to thank tom for joining me again it's always nice to have you oh stop it thank you (laughs) and and thank you very much for listening to formula talk presented by bet online and goodbye bye-bye